This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Mumon Khan, K6. Once in ancient times, when the world-honored one was at Mount Gurdharatkuta, he held up a flower, twirled it, and showed it to the assemblage. At this, they all remained silent. Only the venerable Kashyapa broke into a smile. The world-honored one said, I have the treasury of the true Dharma I, the marvelous mind of nirvana, the true form of no form, the subtle gate of the Dharma, does not depend on letters being specially transmitted outside all teachings. Now I entrust Maha Kachyapa with this. This morning, Pat held up Peter, twirled him around for you all to see, and you smiled. Thus the teacher is made. The story describes moments of simple recognition. Commentary says that the Chinese characters for a flower bud opening into a blossom are the same as the ones for breaking into a smile. At just the right moment, capacities emerge. The bud turns into a blossom the student becomes a teacher. But that recognition, although simple, is obviously not so easy. Yesterday, we heard the story of Ananda, who took years and years to realize his own true nature. There's an old saying, it's not the early bird that gets the worm, it's the bird that knows a worm when it sees one. And Ananda was definitely the early bird. He was there from the very beginning. Hearing every teaching the Buddha gave, year after year after year. Yet he didn't know a worm when he saw one. He didn't recognize his own Buddha nature when he saw it. How come? 
Personally, I think in his case, the answer is uh, very obvious. His teacher was Buddha. Right? His teacher was absolutely this perfect being. A totally enlightened, world-honored one. He must have been totally dazzled and intimidated by a teacher like that. Now, fortunately, you're not going to have that problem with Peter. (laughs) And I don't think Pat had that problem with me. If you have a perfect being, you don't really have a teacher. You might have a guru, you might have a saint, but you don't have a teacher. You don't have somebody who's going to help you recognize the perfection in yourself. All the perfection is out there in the other. And all you're going to do is sit and bask in their light. That may be absolutely wonderful, but uh, it may actually make it harder for you to see the light in yourself. See, if you think about the flower... It was held up. One petal might have been wisdom, another compassion, but another would have been anxiety, another confusion, another uncertainty. We have to be able to recognize all those petals as part of the flower. And if we're just looking for something that's perfect, well, we're going to be in a lot of trouble because obviously we know we're not perfect. But really what we need to do is radically revise our definition of perfection. One thing it's good to know about this story of the original transmission is that it's made up. It first appears only in these koan collections, which were compiled in China around 1000 AD. And most of the stories in them concern Chinese teachers who lived hundreds of years before the stories were collected. The fact that it's made up doesn't mean it's not true. Someone took their own insight and made a story about the Buddha out of it. And the story conveys something very true and something very real about our experience, even if it doesn't say anything about the historical Buddha. That kind of making it up is what we as teachers always have to do. We have to make it new. We have to find a way to 
take our own experience and put it to use for others. I was a little surprised this morning to see uh, Peter dressed in jeans and a blue shirt for the ceremony. I thought he might have gotten dressed up for the occasion. But I decided, well, that's his first teaching. He's showing up as an ordinary guy. He's not putting on robes. He's not doing anything fancy. This is how he's going to present himself. These are decisions that uh, teachers have to make. This is how they teach. There's a story that I love about uh, Joshu from the time when uh, he was on pilgrimage himself after the death of his teacher, Nansen. And it's said that he spent years going around before he settled down to teach on his own. And in this case, he's he's looking for a teacher named Tosu, who is supposed to be a renowned teacher, but who lives as a hermit out on some mountain somewhere and apparently made a living by pressing vegetable oil and selling it down in the village. He was a fairly strange teacher. He, you know, when anyone would come to him and ask him, what is Buddha? He'd reply, Buddha. When anyone asked him, what is the way? He would say, the way. Anyhow, uh, Joshu thought he should try to meet this teacher. So he hiked up the mountain, looking everywhere for him, till finally he came upon an old man in a hut. Joshu went up to him and said, Come all this way looking for a teacher. All I see is an old man selling oil. Tosu replied, You don't see the teacher. You only see the old man selling oil. Joshu said, Who is the teacher? Tosu replied, Oil, oil, who'll buy some oil? Nothing whatsoever is hidden. No gap at all between the teacher and the oil seller. Perhaps some of you came to Seshim thinking you were going to get a chance to hear the Roshi senior teacher in your lineage. When you got here, all you see is an old man, stiff and creaky, who has to sit in a chair most of the day. 
say to you, you don't see the teacher. You just see the creaky old man. If you ask, who then is the teacher? I reply, oh, my knee is really bothering me. I'm going to have to sit in a chair for the rest of the day. Thus I hold up a flower and twirl it for you. Who will recognize it? Will anybody smile? 